Thank you, Anna. Well, we're, that's actually a meaty passage, isn't it? We're not going to be able to talk about all of it today. And I probably, you guys can do some of your own work. You know that stuff. Ooh, that's a nasty four-letter word. Um, we're going to focus in on the law today. Paul focuses in on the law. He, he's asking a question, because law is one of the primary themes in the book of Galatians. Freedom and law. Those are two primary themes in the book of Galatians. And, and Paul is addressing a, an issue that um, is arising because of the teaching that Paul is going through. He's teaching that we don't need the law. Remember what we talked about last week? We don't need the law. You don't have to be a Jew first, then a Christian. We don't need the law. Law does not save you. You cannot be work your way into heaven. You can't follow the 613 rules of the Bible in the, found in the Old Testament, and it's going to save you. So the question then becomes that Paul is addressing in this verse is then why is it there? Because even in the Old Testament, he points, he's not making things up. He, he said he points to passages, especially Abraham, if you read, that says the law never did save us. It was all through the grace of God. The law never did save us. And Israelite people, the, the Jewish people, knew that at some points in the, and, and forgot that at other points. Read the, like the book of Isaiah where they forgot that and they started focusing in on the law and not the grace. And you have passages like, I'd rather your heart than your sacrifices because they were focusing in on the law. And so when we look at this passage, out of all the things we could unpack in that passage, we have to ask the question, the same line of thinking that he's on is, if the law has nothing to do with my salvation, me 3,000 plus years since its writing, why is it in there still? Why do we even have those laws? Why should I even read the book of Leviticus, which some of you have, I've never read that book. Why is the law there? Why, out of all the things that God could have preserved and transferred to us, like what did Jesus do on his ninth birthday? That'd be kind of interesting, right? Why did he save that information? And that's really what Paul is addressing. He's oh, what does that mean for me if, if the law does not save us? And so, and, that, and that's why he, he looks at Galatians in, in that first part, Galatians 16, uh, 3, 16 and 18. He says that, that Abraham, um, in one people, God made promises to Abraham's seed. That they would be a blessing. Now he's quoting from, he's taking this passage from Genesis chapter 12, 
and uh, Genesis chapter 15. And when you go read those passages, you'll see that God makes a covenant, a legal agreement with Abraham that requires nothing from Abraham. It isn't like he said, well, Abraham, if you do this, this, and this, I'm going to do this, this, and this. That's not what he says in those passages. There are covenants like that in the scriptures. Abraham's promise isn't one of those. Abraham doesn't have to do anything. God said, Abraham, I'm going to make an everlasting promise with you. I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you descendants, and I'm going to give you a blessing, a a redemption. And so he makes this promise with them. They don't have to, and that's what grace is based upon, is based upon, that's what our salvation is based upon, is upon this, this covenant that we don't have to do anything. That it, we were grafted into Abraham's seed. As Paul puts it. The law actually comes after that. Later, <coughs> after the Exodus event, remember when the, the, the Abraham, his descendants, they go to Egypt because of a famine and then they get uh, eventually put it because of the political climate changes in Egypt and so they get put into slavery eventually and they stay in slavery for quite a long time they're not the only slaves there no they did not build the pyramids just gotta throw that out there the, um, the Israelites will be there. In fact, when they're making bricks, they're probably making bricks for foreign temples. And the crowd, God hears them and, and cries out and says that, uh, and he frees them. And as they move from this place of Egypt, which he saved them from Egypt before the law, so we can't say that it was based on the law. He, 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 they do create the law. He creates the law because you've got a nation that is coming out of Egypt a group of people that have developed, need to develop into a political nation. And there are rules that they're following to protect them. Notice what it says actually in Galatians um, 3 verse 24. I love this. This is one of my favorite lines of the whole, whole thing. 24. So the law was our guardian until Christ. Our guardian. It was put there in those 613 laws. We're not just there because God said, well, I think you need more laws in your life. I mean, who doesn't need more laws? Apparently, we in the United States love them. I mean, 
How many laws did you follow or break just coming here to church? If I didn't break any laws, well, did you drive faster than 25? Probably broke a law then. We love laws. We love, there's actually, our law code is so complicated, no one can make sense of it. But the law there, those 613 laws there, it says that, that Paul tells us it was there to protect us, to guard us, to teach us about what? Guard us until Christ, until Jesus. So it's to teach us about Christ. It's to teach us. And the purpose of the law is to point us to Christ. It was a bridge. Where we were and so we could understand Christ. And now that Jesus has come, he's the Messiah. He lived a perfect life. You know, when we say that, you say, well, what's that mean? That means those 613 laws, he didn't break them. Something all, all of us have already probably already done. He lived a perfect life. He revealed God in his life. He died, put to the cross, died, and was resurrected to raise again. Now sitting on the right hand of God. Why? To absolve the law? No, what's it tell us what he came to do? Fulfill the law. To fulfill the law. Not to take it away, but to complete it. And so now we are children of God. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've, you've accepted his forgiveness. We don't need the law. We don't need it. Because we have mercy. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us when we we talk about Jesus coming into our lives. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that comes and lives upon us, walks beside us, leads us, directs us. We, our lifestyle changes because we have God living in us. And we walk in God and, and we, are, we are in Christ and we're persons of Christ. And, and because Christ is in us, we know that the law has not been absolved, though. It is still there. And so Jesus tells us what it's for, right? He says the two greatest commandments. This is what the law is for now. It's to show us how to love God and love each other. 
he actually quotes two, two passages in the Bible, right? He quotes Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Listen, Israel, Shema Israel, Adonai, uh, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with um, your, 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 your heart, your um, nephesh, your, um, I don't like the word soul here, um, your being, that that makes you you. I guess soul works. That's kind of the Greek idea. I don't know if it really works. It's that that makes you you. Love God with all that makes you you. And with all your strength. And that, that's not really, that doesn't just mean, hey, I pushed a lot of iron. I love God with my weightlifting. That means I love God with all that I do. So in other words, this is saying, and, and we, we, we got to understand the, the, the mindset. Heart, we think of heart, we, we, we think of what, like uh, our emotions, right? Like, oh, I love, like my heart overflows. That's not what the Hebrew would have thought of. They would have actually considered the heart was more like where your head is at. So there, what he's thinking about, that's why Jesus, when he says it, he says, with all your mind, your heart. Because he adds a word there, because he's explaining it to people that don't think the same way as it was originally written. Because time changes the way we think, the way we use words. And so he says, so, so it's, it's, it's love God with your mind, with, with your, that which makes you you and your, all your actions. So with your everything, love God. And then he says, and then he quotes from Leviticus 19, 18. Part B, he only quotes part B. But love your neighbor as yourself. He says, the whole thing is, do not take revenge or bear grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's where Jesus is quoting from. So Jesus, we know that it isn't necessary for us for salvation to for the law but he tells us this is what it's for so what is it's to show us to love god to love our neighbors how do we do that and so the question then obviously becomes and i get asked this all the time well which laws do i need to obey and which ones do i not need to obey right Because I read some of those, and they just, they don't match. I mean, I don't own any oxen. So I know they're not going to gore anybody. I mean, these laws were, when we ask that question, we're really asking, which laws are relevant for us to today? Because, I mean, they were written... 3,000 plus years ago. Over time. And as a new situation comes up, they write a new one. That's because there's absolute law like the Ten Commandments and then there's case laws that something comes up and they say, well, how do we apply the absolutes? And the Israelites were a tribal nation that was coming out of slavery and they were conquering a land that they could call their own. 
They were kind of reconquering it, I guess, and the land they could call their own, and and they were Yahweh was the king, and then there's another king that's supposed to follow after Yahweh. And we don't have any of that. So in part, none of it applies to us. Which ones? Well, you can't really follow any of them. We don't have a temple we're going to go slaughter cows to and sheep and doves. Though it is legal here in the United States. You're not cruel to them. You can slaughter animals. It is legal. But what we get, instead of just saying, well, which one should I follow, which one I shouldn't, and I, I know that there are some people out there say, well, there's three types of law. There's ceremonial, moral, and religious, and you only, get to follow, you only have to follow the moral ones, and then we get to put this one in this category. This one's, none of that is in the scriptures. That's the stuff we've tried to put together so that we can try to understand which ones do we get to, because we like the easy way out. Here's the hard part is we don't get to say, well, what does this, do I have to follow this law? We have to ask the hard question, why was this law a law? What was the wisdom behind this law? What is God telling about himself, about our Love of him and our love of our neighbors through this law. That is not an easy task. That's why it's called meditation literature. Because we're supposed to be meditating and deciding, determining which laws we're supposed to follow and why is a thing that will take you your life. Because you grow. And you learn. And you meditate. Because when we look at these laws, yes, in part, none of them apply to us. But in part, all of them apply to us. Even the ones you don't like. Because we get the task of asking, what was the wisdom behind it? Why was this? And so we get things like we got to do the work and say, well, what was it for them there? And how does that bridge to now? That's, there's whole fields of studies on that. Because he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And in Jesus, we can see the law with wisdom. And so as you read, we'll say Leviticus, though that's not the only place laws are found, right? As we read Leviticus, which is written to the priest, we see that Christ came to create a nation of priests. All of us are priests, and therefore all of those laws apply to us, and none of them apply to us because we're not sacrificing animals, and we're not working at a temple or a tabernacle, and we're not, we are the temple tabernacle. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, how does this, what's the wisdom behind it? Why was it a law? What was God doing? And we got to say, well, what was happening? And we can make up things. We, see, our, our temptation is to say well, we put our moral and amerocentric point of view on the scriptures and say, well, of course he was doing it because God loves America. Well, God loves the people of America, but the, America is not actually even in the scriptures. We get to say, why was he doing it? What? And how does that change my life? And Christ reveals his wisdom in it. In the scriptures, if we read Christ, we get to see how he reveals his wisdom. He'll say, Pastor, like you have heard it said, where he points to Old Testament passages. He says, but, because he's looking at the wisdom behind the passage. He's showing us how to do this. He's showing us how to do this. Because he's looking, what is the wisdom? And we don't get to make up laws. We don't get to make things. We don't get to even put our, we get to take the scriptures. Say, why, God, did you put this in there? And how does it change my way of thinking? And so that's why the law still preserves Because there's wisdom in it. And it shows us how to love God and how to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so as we, our, our next steps, our, our challenge is that as we seek to, to understand the law. And we read our scriptures, because all of you guys are, are good Bible readers. I know you guys are. We're Bible listeners. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I listen to it more than I read it. Our challenge is not to overlook passages because we don't like them or because we say, this doesn't apply to me. It's to say, what's the wisdom that God is showing me in this passage? What's the wisdom behind it? Because laws change as people change. But Christ is forever. And that wisdom lasts forever. And so as we live our lives, we must reflect Christ in the laws that we are following, in the way we live out those laws. 
guess the question then becomes is are we? And I'm sorry I don't have an ABC one, two, three for you today. I have a challenge. To continue to study, to learn about the people that we are studying, and to ask that hard question What's the wisdom behind this? As I want to be more like Christ, loving God with all that I am and my neighbor as myself because I was first loved. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for the law. Lord, I always don't always understand what's going on in it. I don't always understand the wisdom, but Lord, I pray that you will continue to grow in me the wisdom behind the law. Lord, I pray that you give a passion for living out wisdom in the lives of your congregate, your people, that we may focus in on you, not get caught up in legalistics, but we want to serve you and love you and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we praise you, we worship you, and we ask that you move within us and give us wisdom to follow after you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. It was a pretty meaty passage today. Uh, we're not going to be able to talk about all of it. What we are going to talk about is the primary theme of that passage, which is the law. You know, one of the primary fa- uh, themes of the whole book of uh, Galatians is the law. It's, um, well, that and freedom. And the idea behind it is we don't need the law. God's grace is sufficient. But the issue that Paul addresses here in this passage is if we don't need the law, why are there 613 of them? Why, all the things that could be transposed over the hundreds of years, thousands of years that the Bible was written, why did the law get preserved? And things we'd like to see, like what was Jesus doing when he was two, or four, or nine, why did that not get preserved? Why did the law preserve all that time? We know that laws come and go. They change with the societies you live in. I mean, we in the United States, we love laws, don't we? We love having them. We don't always follow them. I mean, how many laws did you break getting here? I didn't break any laws. Did you go 25 through that residential area? Was that a sliding stop I saw? That's what stop means, right? Slide through on purpose. 
Why, if the grace that saves us, why those laws? I mean, he talks, he says, in, in, in the first part of that verse, 16 through 18, he says, you know, it's Abraham that God made a promise to. And he said that his seed would be blessed. And this was years, hundreds of years before the law was ever written. He said, Abraham, I want to bless your seed. And he's quoting, he's taking passages from Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15. And this covenant, this legal agreement between God and Abraham and Abraham's seed requires nothing from Abraham. You can go read it. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 15. It's not like God said, well, Abraham, if you do this, this, and this, then I'm going to do this, this, and this. There are covenants like that in the scriptures. This isn't one of them. This is just an unconditional covenant. Abraham, I'm going to bless your seed. He says, I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you descendants, and I'm going to give you a, a blessing or redemption. No matter what you do, I've chosen to bless your seed. No matter what they do, I've chosen to bless your seed. It's unconditional. It's everlasting. Then the story continues that Abraham and his descendants, they they end up traveling to Egypt because of famine. And then the political atmosphere changes in Egypt while they were living there and uh, they become slaves. And they were slaves for 400 years and they weren't the only slaves there. It wasn't like they were all just the Hebrews. Was, there were other slaves there and they were part of a larger group. And no, the, he, the, the Jews did not build the Great Pyramids. Sorry. The math just doesn't line up. In fact, what they were probably building was building bricks to build temples to all the foreign gods of Egypt. And if you've ever studied Egyptology, there's a lot of them. And so they're building, and so it's after God frees them from that slavery, brings them out of Egypt into a land that they will have to conquer and they become a, uh, they become a nation of their own, that God says, okay, I'm going to lay out some laws for you. I'm going to lay out some laws for you. This was a tribal nation. That means they had 12 different tribes that were loosely associated into one nation and eventually they're going to become under a king that's going to unite, unite them all under the banner of Yahweh, of God. I'm going to bring them all together. And that's when the law was given. And you had two types of law. You had one that was absolute, the Ten Commandments. And you had laws like that were Case laws. Something happens and they say, well, how do we deal with it?
And Paul, in this passage, he says, if the law was what saved us, even in the Old Testament, because a lot of times we associate the Old Testament with the law, that's a wrong thinking on our part. In fact, the, the Israelites had that wrong thinking at different times in their history, too. They started focusing on the law, not the grace. Because Paul says, if it was all about, if we were going to be saved through the law, then Abraham would have had the law. But it was about grace, God's covenant. One that if we have believed in Jesus as we believed in him and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we confess him with our mouth, we will be saved. We are grafted into that seed. We're part of that seed. Grace saves us. Paul's not just making stuff up. He's taking stuff from the Old Testament. and, And he says, okay, so... If that's the case, even way back then, then why, God, did you even give us the law? Lord knows we could never get it right. We broke it hundreds of times. I like Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. I think it says it the best. So the law was our guardian. Until Christ came, until Christ, that we may be justified by faith. The law was our guardian. The law was not there to punish us. The law was not there to keep us with the iron fist so you may be thrown into jail. And Jesus didn't even come to abolish it. What's Jesus say he came to do? Fulfill it. Complete it. He says, I've come to complete it because the law was not bad. It was for a guard for you to keep you safe. It had a purpose. It was to build you up, to complete, to keep you from safe and keep you on a path that leads to righteousness. Its purpose, the law's purpose was to guard you until Christ. And because it's until Christ, that means all of the law points us to Christ. All of the law points us to Christ. And Jesus came. As the Messiah, he lived a perfect life. What does that mean, lived a perfect life? That means he followed the 613 laws that people messed up all the time. He was the perfect Jewish life. He followed the law. He revealed God. He said, I'm going to reveal who God is. By living a life that reveals God. By teaching. Jesus died. And on the third day he rose from the grave. And is now seated on the right hand of the Father. Interceding on our spot. Why? To fulfill the law. Not to take it away. But to complete it. 
So as we think about the law, we say, well, if I have accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I don't need the law. And praise God, you don't need the law. Because it's in Jesus. But yet, because we have Jesus, the Holy Spirit living in us, there are laws, the laws serve, they, they're not just useless, they still serve a purpose. They were there to show us how to, what Jesus calls the greatest commandments. Remember what the greatest commandments are? Jesus said, he said, here's, he was asked a question, coming to his, out of all the commandments, which are the greatest commandments? And Jesus quotes two. Out of all the scriptures, he quotes two. He says, all the scriptures can fit into these two, all the laws can fit into two categories. He's talking about categories here. He looks at the, says, either they're about loving God, because that's what he quotes first, right? Shema Israel, listen Israel. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Now, let's stop right there. Heart. Now, when we think heart, we have a, uh, actually a more Greek version of heart in our minds. We think of like heart as more like like where our, you know our love comes from and, and hallmark and, and where we tear up. And, uh, see, the Hebrews, when that, that passage was read, that was actually hearing your bowels. Heart was more where they thought like your mind was at. It would have been more like your mind. That's why Jesus, when he quotes this passage, he actually adds your mind to it because the words have changed. What this meaning has changed over time because words change. Don't believe me? Think about what the young people are saying today. Some of you are like, I don't understand it at all. And young people, think about how your parents talked. You're like, I don't understand it at all. <laughs> and there's a disconnect between what our words mean. And so Jesus adds words. So his heart is like your, where your, your, your rational side comes from. With all your heart, with all your... And I, I guess the word soul works. I don't really care for it. The word there is nefesh, and it, it's, it's, an, it's a Hebrew word that means the thing that makes you you. So love God with your heart, and love God with that thing that makes you you. And then it says love God with your strength, and that doesn't mean I love God because I can bench press 300 pounds. No, Strength means actions, what you do. Love God with the actions you take. So when he says that, he says, love God with your mind, with what, you th- with what you think. Love God with the thing that makes you you, and love God with your actions. So otherwise, love God with all that you are. And then he says, he, he continues on, he says, love God with all you are. And then he quotes again from Leviticus chapter 19, 18. Do not take revenge or bear grudge against any, any members of your community. And this is the part he quotes. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor. So he says all of the, the, um, the laws can be categorized in two, two places. They either show you how to love God or they show you how to love your neighbor. And it's not necessary for salvation. 
the law is not about salvation. That is grace. But as we live life in Christ, we're supposed to be loving God and loving our neighbors, and the law was about that. And so the obvious question comes up that people always ask me is, well, then what laws do I need to follow? Because some of these, you're like, I don't have any oxen, so sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to go sacrifice a goat. I don't have a temple to splatter any blood in anyways. I don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is. Though some guy just released it, he thinks he found it. So which laws do I... Because in part, none of these laws apply to you. You do not live in Israel... 3,000 plus years ago. Times have changed since then. The law doesn't even talk about what you're supposed to be doing with your cell phone. I think if you were supposed to follow these laws 100%, there'd be something about your cell phone in there. So in part, none of these laws apply to you anymore. But in part, all of them apply to you. So which ones do I need to follow? I hear some people say, well, there's these kind of laws and this kind of law. There's moral laws, celebration, uh, ceremonial laws, and, and we have to follow the moral laws. We don't have to do the ceremonial law. You know what that is? That's us trying to make sense of something without doing the work. Because all of the laws, even the ceremonial that you don't have to follow anymore, apply to you. All of them apply. But we don't live then and there, so we don't get the easy road where you say, well, I'm going to follow this law because the Bible says so. We get to follow after Jesus who said, this is the law, I've come to complete it. You've heard it said, but... I'm going to show you the wisdom behind it. We get the fun challenge that will take you all of your life. This is why it's called meditation literature. It's not an ABC rule book. You can't open it up and say, well, here's the laws, one, two, and three, because we don't live in that time period. We get the fun challenge of saying, how do I, what is the wisdom behind this passage what was God trying to say in this passage why did this law happen in the first place how does this either show me how to love God or to love my neighbors what's the wisdom behind it what's the wisdom behind it And that's a challenge. And we get to have the challenge. And I present that challenge to you as you read, let's say, the book of Leviticus. That's not the only place those laws are found. We got Deuteronomy and Numbers and Exodus. 
Let's say Leviticus. As you read the book of Leviticus, and I know you guys are reading it or listening to it because you guys are people of the Bible. You like to read the Bible. I know you guys are hitting your goal of at least four times a week. I know you guys are there. If not, that's your New Year's resolution right there. And you're reading Leviticus and you're like, well, none of this applies to me except that I was called to be a nation of priests. I'm called to be a priest because God, Jesus created a nation of priests and we are part of the priesthood. And, but I'm not going to make sacrifices at the temple. Wait, I'm the temple. How does that, what's the wisdom behind that? How does that law show me how to love God or love my neighbor? Because he didn't come to eradicate the law. He came to fulfill it, to show us how to live it. So why the law? Because all the law is wisdom in how we're supposed to live our lives in the wisdom of God to love God and love our neighbors. It's not one, two, three, A, B, C's, so we love those kind of things, don't we? I mean, you go online. How do I, well, let me show you in six easy steps. I mean, those are the ones that get the clicks, right? And then you get in there and you're like, well, six, episode six, that's like 500 steps there. I don't know. <laughs> because life isn't about A, B, C, one, two, threes. Life is messy. It's hard. It doesn't, it's not easy, and it's not going to be easy. And at different points in your life, it's harder, and at different points in your life, it's easier. That's how life is. And when we pretend that it's always easy, we lie to ourselves, we lie to others, and we make people think that their life, why isn't my life easy like that person is? Well, their life isn't easy, they're just pretending. Life is messy. Life is messy, and it's hard, and it's difficult. But how we apply the scriptures, how we apply the law, is we take and say, okay, I know this passage doesn't apply to me in a literal sense, or in a, you know, I do not have any goats or doves I have to buy in the... But what's the wisdom behind that? What are they talking about there as I say I'm going to love God? Because those passages about buying doves are about... Showing your devotion to God, about loving God with all your actions and your money. And as we strive to make sense of the law, we must be reflecting Christ in the law. So if you've got some kind of law going on in your head and it's not reflecting Christ's teachings, then it isn't working. It's about following the law and reflecting Christ in those, the wisdom behind those. And Christ shows us how to do that. He says, go read those passages. He says, you have heard it said, but. And notice what he does in those passages, and there's too many of those. I'm not going to read all of them. What he does in those passages as he says, he takes the law and what it has become and what, what uh, another commentary has said or another pastor has said, another rabbi has said. And he says, this is good. 
But let's take the wisdom out of it and let's apply it to today. You've heard it said, love your, na- love your, your enemy, uh, your, uh, love your friend, hate your enemy. <laughs> but I said we need to love our neighbors, which is everybody. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. He does this all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He takes Old Testament wisdom and he applies it to them today, taking the wisdom in it. And that's what it's about. It's about taking that wisdom. So as we think about what our next steps are, our next steps, we have to think, okay, I'm striving to understand, one, the scriptures, the wisdom behind that, which is not easy. So I have to be pray- in prayer, studying the scriptures. I have to be studying. And yes, that does mean I have to do the, the treaded four-letter word, work. Is it necessary for your salvation? No! Christ is going to save you because of his grace. But if we want to understand the scriptures, like we all say we want to do, right? We want to live it out. You're going to have to do the work to say what was going on then. We, we love putting our now our American-centric worldview on it because God loves America. And that's in the Bible, Right? No, America's not in the Bible. God loves the people of America because God loves people. And we love putting our, our, our points of view on it, but that's not the challenge is to say, what was it for them? What's the wisdom behind it? What were they thinking? And we're ever evolving this. We're ever learning and changing and growing. And if you say, well, I've never questioned a Bible passage in my life, well, then you're not really wrestling with it. How, does it. how do we wrestle with it? We do the work. And then what's the wisdom of it? And how can I take that wisdom and apply it to Laughlin 2023? How can I take that wisdom and apply it? And how can that wisdom, and I got to make sure that wisdom reflects Christ. Father God, I pray right now. I pray that you give us wisdom.